We are Sarah and Laura. We are doulas, mothers, women, wives, and entrepreneurs. We love a lot of things. The gym, food, coffee, health, kombucha, our families, and our friends. We are so committed to being authentic, honest, and vulnerable and showing up here just the way we are. We promise to never positive wash anything, but please know that we are wholeheartedly committed to radically thriving. With this podcast, we hope to connect on a deeper level and talk about hard stuff. Ultimately, we want women and mothers to know deeply who they are and what makes them feel happy. Whether you're getting into a bath or taking us on a walk with you, or maybe you're commuting to work, we are honored that you chose our podcast to listen to. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Laura. How's your donut? My donut was about an eight out of 10. It would have been better if it was a s'mores donut, but you picked well for a second choice. I feel like it was only like a five. No, no, it wasn't a five. A five. Is there a donut that's a five? I mean, I just decided in this moment that I would always take a cookie over a donut. Really? Yeah. Oh man, that's a really hard life choice to think about. Chocolate chip cookie wins every time. but only your own like would you choose a strange chocolate chip cookie that like you aren't sure no no I probably choose a sprinkle donut yeah 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 I just know I make a good chocolate chip cookie have you ever made a donut no Maybe I should probably should not ever start you should try no no I no, think no it's time Bagels. do you know what is not delicious like a donut what the tar that our guest made us eat when we oh, were in Mexico oh my goodness okay guys <laughs> You know who we have for you today? Jamie Goldman. So our beloved Demi got married in Mexico, as you all know, because we did a podcast from Mexico. And we today are interviewing her sister-in-law, who is a physical therapist, an athlete, a genius, and eats really disgusting things sometimes (laughs) and lets us try it, and is super passionate about a lot of things like mental health, about how to keep your eggs really healthy and what you should be using in terms of menstrual products and how to rehab after postpartum. So welcome, Jamie. We're super pumped to have you. Today. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Okay, let's jump right in. I have so many things that we could ask you. I have one question right off the bat. Sarah thinks that I pee with too much force. She does. She pushes. Yeah, it sounds like a horse. Pushing your pee out. But yeah. I'm not. Yeah, pushing it I out. don't. But I don't think I'm pushing it. Okay. Hmm. Well, there's like official tests that you can do to test like the, the the velocity of your pee, essentially. And this is more medical, but um, yeah, it's basically like you're peeing over like a pressure plate, and they like measure the velocity or the amplitude of like your pee. Um, and and there are tests that like they've standardized this. They like know what the norm normative values are. Um, and there, there's ways to look at this, but generally speaking, yeah, your pee should just be like, you're just relaxing and you're not forcing anything. And really what your stream should sound like from the start to the finish is kind of like a, an arc, like a, a hill. Right. So it, if it's like hard from the get go and just like full force all the way through start to finish, um, that, that would be an indicator that you may be pushing it out, um, which isn't great for your pelvic floor because to urinate, your pelvic muscles need to relax. And when you're relaxing, your pelvic organs have the least amount of support. So if you're pushing down with force, 
your organs don't have a lot of support in that moment because your pelvic muscles have opened and relaxed to allow the urine out. Um, so that's kind of like a vulnerable position for um, our organs in response to like prolapse or organ descent. So don't push it, girl. Just let it happen. <laughs> I've, practice. Been, I've been practicing every time I'm here and I know that Sarah is listening to me, to me <laughs> especially for Ireland in Mexico. I try, but I feel like I'm doing more harm, harm by trying to slow it down. Like mm. I've gotten intuitive about it since Sarah pointed it out. Is yeah. it possible I have a natural high velocity feed? <laughs> you know what? I think in some cases when people have a lot of urine in their bladder, it does sound like there's a greater velocity, you know, versus times when there's just a small amount of urine in your bladder and it's more like a soft trickle, right? So maybe in the instances that Sarah is, is witnessing this, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe you just have a really full bladder and you know, that's, that's what she's hearing. I, well. I, I do always have a full bladder compared yes. to you though. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah, you pee often because you drink often. Yes. Um, but I don't think you need a velocity plate to know that it's it like sounds a like a it's horse. Like a fire hose. It is full on, like, I feel like it's like a, an eight foot tall dude who's She's like jealous, who's hitting the. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you this. Like, I, I'm a poop pusher. Yeah. And mm. I, I know that's also not good. I remember my pelvic floor therapist being like, why are you pushing? And I was like, sorry, what? How do you get the poo out otherwise? Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't like just sitting there letting my poo fall out. No, it sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not atypical for the clients I work with, you know, who have experienced like this sensation of like, am I pushing or am I not? Or is this sounding the way it's supposed to? Um, they'll send me like a sound clip of their <laughs> urine stream. <laughs> okay, Jamie, I'll send uh, you and a so, sound like, clip of my pee. Yeah, I, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that like, that's where we go with this, but, um, but just I like- I can send you a clip of her pee from the living room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to listen to whatever you want to send me, but yeah, that's, but, so yeah, that's nice for you. Yeah. And I'm actually really sad I didn't just pee in front of you while we were yeah. there. It would have I mean, been much we, more efficient. We totally could have. I mean, we yeah. did a lot of other things that yeah. were questionable in Mexico. So <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. the resin. Yeah. So I feel like you brought like an apothecary with you. Oh, yeah. How did you become this human and did, what yeah. was in that package? Um, okay. Well, I... I wasn't always the human that traveled with like an apothecary, but I think just like part of being a mom and just that feeling of like, if I get sick uh, or the kids get sick, like I want to have some tools with me. Um, and the tools I like tend to be like non-conventional, you know, um, alternative therapies or, or um, holistic medicines. So um, I brought, uh, several things, but what I shared with you guys was called Sheila Jeet. Um, and it is a resin. It's, um, it's dark, dark, dark black. It looks actually, does it kind of look like meconium? Yeah. Yes. It's really thick and tarry and dark, dark black. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then you just, you just take like a tiny little portion, like uh, a pea sized amount, um, and let it like dissolve in your mouth, but it really tastes like I mean, it just tastes awful, right? Like yeah. we were 
I, I tried to warn you, but I don't think that Amber, there's like an adequate warning for how gross outside. that tastes. Yeah, I went outside Amber and Keith after I had the resin out. <laughs> and Amber was like, it tastes or it smells like somebody burnt a tire in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. I gave it to my dad and he was actually like mad. He was like, what did you give me? This is awful. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, um, it is like a substance that is known in, um, Ayurvedic medicine as, um, a really rich mineral source. Um, and it comes from the ground. Um, I don't know the preparation process, but, um, basically you would want to take it, um, to restore or, um, replete your body of minerals that we, um, in modern times are just burning through so rapidly because of our stress and, um, all the demands that are on our bodies. And, um, you know, sadly, like our, our agricultural system, which is, you know, depleting minerals from the soil that we're supposed to be on the vegetables and fruits that we were eating. Um, they're no longer there. So, um, we really, you know, as modern humans really do need to like outsource and find uh, extra ways to bring minerals in because minerals are super important for dishner, um, for energy and hormones and, and just so many other things. So, yeah. I will say that it's been in my cart a few times since then. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. but it's definitely yeah. on my radar. Yeah. Like, they have tablets, which it, it seems like that would be a more like logical approach to, to, to this format. But yeah, there, I mean, there's lots of other ways to get minerals too, but this is just, um, another, another avenue. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. It's kind of like taking a cold plunge. Like if I can challenge myself to eat something that tastes like a burning tire in the morning, mm -hmm. that feels like a challenge that I get over. And then I will feel very confident in my day. I yeah. feel like I spend more money to have fish oil capsules than to take the liquid, even though I know the liquid is so much more cost effective, but I cannot make myself drink the fish oil. Mm. So I feel yeah. like maybe in this scenario, I think I'd actually prefer to eat that burnt tire than the drink fish oil. Fish oil. Really? 100%. Mm. You're not you? I'm not sure. I had ha also had tequila when I had the resin. So I feel like <laughs> the memory of it is needed. Mm. So I was having a good time regardless. Yeah, I'd rather <laughs> chew a tire than eat a fish oil. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I have another question. So when we were sitting on the beach, we were talking about how you are preparing Demi's eggs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I would, well, <laughs> I would love to know what your advice would be for anybody who's wanting to prep their eggs to be fertilized into a beautiful garden. Okay. Before we get there, though, oh, what okay. else was in the apothecary? Oh, right. Yeah. What else did you bring? Oh, um, I, I brought like mullein and garlic oil, um, just like for the, for the kids ears, mm. just in case, um, I brought like a bunch of, I mean, I always travel with Arnica, um, which actually came in handy because the night before the wedding, I, um, we had like an adjoining room and my daughter was sleeping in the other room and she woke up with like a nightmare. So I went into the room to like soothe her and it was so dark because of the blackout curtains. And I turned around and I walked straight the door like on smack on like the middle of my forehead I had the hugest goose egg I was a bridesmaid in dummy's wedding the next day <laughs> like it was bad so yeah I, the arnica came in handy for sure um I brought a few other things too that were kind of 
odd, but yeah, I mean, I always travel with liver, um, desiccated liver capsules. Um, <laughs> why? <laughs> yes, that's odd. <laughs> No, that's like my multivitamin. I take that like every day. I take six capsules every day and I love that. And um, <laughs> Okay, so I think in the yeah. show notes, we just need like Jamie's regimen. <laughs> yes. And you'll so, just have to email us the things with the links. And so right. the people who don't want to think like myself, can yeah. be like add to cart. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> yeah, um, and then I... I I love elements just like you guys love elements. So I brought like a case of element. Um, and I shared that, I shared that with a few people who were, um, you know, just a little bit uh, dehydrated for no reasons of their own. Yeah, like you know? It happens in Mexico. It's hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just a few other things. So, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. yes, now preparing the eggs. And we don't mean like, right. you know, scrambled. We mean <laughs> fertility. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, I, I hope this is like not too personal for Dummy. And honestly, people who like don't know me, I mean, maybe even people who do are probably thinking like, this is so overbearing for her to even make this comment. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm, I'm not like a crazy sister-in-law. I really love Demi. We have a great relationship. And I think she was like appreciative of yeah. the comment, but essentially, essentially just like a few months before the wedding, um, like there's a window in time where your eggs are um, being like prepared. Um, it'll, you know, where, like what you do in that window is going to influence the the quality of egg that your body um, is going to drop in the fertility cycle for you know that round of if you're trying to conceive. Um, and so, yeah, I just suggested like this is kind of the timeline where you might want to be thinking about your egg health and and just overall body health. So I just gave her some some ideas too. Uh, support her her health and a lot of it was like more related to um supporting her liver okay to help detox excess hormones um so you know for a lot of women who have um experienced like morning sickness and stuff like that where you're nauseous during pregnancy um some people believe that it may be due to having some excess um, estrogen within your, within your system. So um, yeah, just finding ways to support uh, estrogen detox in advance of pregnancy can be really helpful um, in minimizing those symptoms. So that is mostly like through the liver pathways um, where you would be supporting your liver detox cycle. Um, And there's just like multiple ways to do this, but primarily like nourishing yourself really well is, is a big step towards that. Um, and then there's some herbs that are kind of common, like milk thistle or dandelion, which a lot of people take, um, to support the liver. So I I think I suggested those. And, um, I really love just like the, the aspect of like nourishing. So I was like, you know, your liver, you want to add your liver capsules, you know, some extra minerals, um, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I just sent her a text and I was, I was just thinking about her and I think, you know, it's like, I want her to have an easy pregnancy. I want her to have like a, you know, easeful time with conception and just, 
obviously like I have an invested interest in like the health of my family members. So yeah, I just, it's, it's the way that I show love. So yeah, yeah. you are, I yeah. love that. You're definitely not yeah. like an overbearing sister-in-law <laughs> who's like pumping advice at people unwarranted. Like when you have the information and that is your love language to share it, I think the way that even that you just did it here, explaining it was so eloquent and you can tell it's coming from a kind place, not a, I know everything, do this. I'm your sister-in-law. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so, thanks. Thanks. I want yeah. someone to take care of me like that. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. I'm thinking about the dandelion tea that I have in the cupboard that I have not drank for two years because oh. it's also disgusting. Why are the oh. things that are good for you like so tonic and so bitter? I, I love the bitters though. And, um, you know, you get that way. I don't, I think it's just like, um, like a mental thing too. Like I, I can like very easily convince myself that like kale tastes delicious. I don't really love kale anymore, but like back when that was really cool to be like hitting it hard, I was like, this is delicious. (laughs) Um, and now like I can swallow, um, like a little hunk of raw liver, you know, and, and take that like a vitamin and be like, this is delicious. So I, I don't know. I just, I think like once I can kind of wrap my head around like the, the why, then I can kind of bring myself around to just going for it. Yeah. Chunks of liver cut up in the freezer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then they sort of clump together. And I'm just remembering the time that I was like, Brandon, my husband, you have to take a and he fully gagged and threw up. Really? Yeah. I yeah. don't know if I've ever eaten liver. Oh, I'll give you some after we're done. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 tough um, for sure. But I think the way that I found it easiest is to let it like kind of suck and completely so that you're not swallowing like an ice chunk of liver because that hurts in the That's throat. Um, but also just drizzle some honey on drizzle oh. some honey on it. <laughs> Okay. Um, is magic. And then to chase it with a little juice, a little bit of orange okay. juice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We're going to do that after. Awesome. We're going to we record can... me peeing and we're going to we'll chase liver. it with um, coconut liqueur. Yeah. It, this tastes like sunscreen. It tastes like I'm in Mexico. <laughs> um, so we have messaged with you a couple of times and I know that you're kind of passionate about, um, Two things. Well, I mean, I know you're passionate about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but what I wanted to talk to you about, because I feel like it's super relevant to our listeners is all about menstrual products. And I know you have a lot of thoughts about, um, like free bleeding and tampons and cups, and maybe we can even get into menstrual sponges. Um, tell us all your thoughts. <laughs> um, all right. Well, this is, um, there's some controversial thoughts that I have here. So I love it. I love that. Buckle up for that. Um, <laughs> I, so, <laughs> um, so, okay. I see, I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist. So I see a lot of women who have birthed um, vaginally. And my experience with most people that I see um, is there, there is a really high prevalence of prolapse. Um, and often it is, um, you know, 
people may have some sensation that there is some like descent of the organs or some shift in the tissues. Um, but a lot of the times, um, the symptoms of prolapse are missed, um, or not recognized, um, because we really don't have a lot of education on, we've never been taught like about that area of our bodies, um, to the full depth of, you know, understanding like what, you know, where the tissue really started from and, and how to kind of track like it's, it's progression or descent after birth. Um, a lot of us don't have like an, an elder or an older sister or a friend telling us like, Hey, it might be a good idea to like maybe take a picture of your vulva before birth. Um, so that you can visualize any shift or changes that have happened post-birth, um, and, and recognize if there is any descent of the tissues. Um, you know, a lot of us also probably don't have um, a daily practice or like a frequent practice of inserting a finger and palpating um, and getting like a sense of how things feel before birthing. And then, um, you know, having the ability to compare what was happening before versus what's presenting afterwards, right? This is like not stuff that we're taught and really not stuff that is kind of like common in our cultural um, languaging around, you know, caring for and tending to our bodies. So um, I think a lot of women are living with prolapse that may not recognize that what they're experiencing is actual prolapse. Um, and when you say daily, like, are you, if you were <clears throat> advising someone to get to know their body more intimately before having children, are you saying daily because you're wanting them to recognize the changes that happen throughout the cycle? And is this more of like a muscular Absolutely, kind of orientation? Yeah. Also, you're talking about like cervix height or you're just, what's all the pieces there? Yeah, there's, there's so many pieces. So yes, the cervix, um, the, the position, um, like height and actual like left, right, midline position of the cervix, um, may shift for some people during the cycle. Um, and then as well, um, you know, what's happening when you're constipated? Um, are you feeling like there's a big bulge of stool that's like taking up space in within your vagina? You know, um, if you put your finger, if you inserted your finger into your vagina and put your fingerprint down towards the earth, um, that posterior wall of your vagina uh, is overlying your rectum. So if there's stool that's pocketing in that area because you have a little bit of a, a prolapse of the rectum, um, you're going to feel like a speed bump or a big ridge of stool there that can pocket for a lot of women um, who really have never even given birth. Um, it's quite common for most women to have some degree of prolapse um, on that posterior wall. So there's changes that happen throughout the cycle. There's changes that happen with um, various levels of constipation. Um, you know, of course, when you're in the menstrual phase, your uterus isn't enlarged. So you have more pressure and weight bearing down. Um, and so that can also shift uh, the position of the bladder because they're adjacent to each other. Um, and, and that can also be something that's felt um, within the vagina if you're feeling like if you, again, with your finger in the vagina, if you turn your fingerprint up towards the, your head or the ceiling, you're on the anterior wall of your vagina and you'll feel a, like kind of like a squishy, soft bulge. And that is your bladder, um, which can descend. So with all that said, um, <clears throat> I find that 
because the prevalence of prolapse is so um, so high and often unrecognized. When, we, when we're thinking about menstrual products, we want to look at using menstrual products that support our female physiology. Um, and when I think about like what is going to, um, what's going to be the best um, in my body, um, you know, of course we know like menstrual cups are kind of having a moment right now because we all want to do our best with the environment um, and cut down waste from menstrual products. Um, but essentially these cups are suction cups, right? And when you insert them into your vagina, you know, as the pictures on their, you know, manuals depict, like you would just insert the cup into the vagina and it would just kind of stay mid range within your vagina. What usually happens for a lot of women is it goes all the way up and sits uh, right on the cervix like this. So it's suction cups around your cervix. Um, and your vagina is, um, it's, it's like a place of lower pressure. So it's like, it doesn't have the same gravity field that like the outer body has. So it's like this really snug suction cupping situation that's happening. Um, and your cervix is just hanging out in this suction cup for however long you wear your cup for the you know, the duration of that day. So if you're, you know, if you're wearing your cup, um, you know, continuously for eight hours and then changing it and then putting it back in, like you're basically suction cupping your cervix for hours on end. Um, and now I've never done this myself personally, but I, I want to do this. Um, I want to get a speculum and see what the cervix looks like after, you know, a full day of using a menstrual cup and see, like, does it look like, you know, I mean, if we suction cupped any other body part, it would look like bruising yeah. after a period of time, right? Like you would have like the purple circle, you know, like we see okay. with people who do like the moxibuction yeah. cupping, right? Um, so what's happening with your cervix for all those hours? Um, so anyways, I want to check that out out that's something I plan to do in the future but um for now I just I don't recommend menstrual cups for women who are in the postpartum time um so the first few cycles definitely like don't don't use them um and really you know if you have any form of prolapse um menstrual cups are not recommended for you and um this is expressed in all like the user manuals um they're not intended for women with prolapse however like statistically like one in two to one in three women have a prolapse and those are just the ones that are being diagnosed so you know i think we have to kind of think about like are these really optimal and safe um the other thing is is when we're removing them you know, there's a learning curve here where you need to kind of like stick your finger in and hook it around the edge of the cup and break the suction before you start to pull it down. Um, and this can be really tricky because a lot of us don't have like the manual dexterity to be doing that um, perfectly every single time. And so if you're changing your cup a few times a day, maybe you're doing it right, you know, and perfectly a few times, but perhaps maybe a few times you're not and you're tugging on the tissues of your cervix um, and that is getting traction um, that can lead to some cervical descent which is essentially a type of prolapse um, so yeah I think we just need to 
be mindful of, you know, there's, I, I think I can see the benefit of why we would want to use a cervical cup um, because they, they're great for being discreet. They're great for um, containing a lot of blood. Um, but if our primary reason for using them is to like make it seem like our periods aren't happening, you know, um, that is like a cultural thing that we need to address. That's like, um, that's like, a reclamation that we need to to make of you know we are bleeding like it's okay for like for others to know it it's okay um to you know have to change you know or tend to our our bleeding um more often than like every eight hours um you know we don't have to be moving so quickly um all the time during our bleeding phase where we're you know, we're really relying on the convenience of a menstrual cup. So that's sort of where I feel about that. Um, and yeah, I think as a mom and as a modern woman, like if my kids need to, you know, they need me to attend like a swimming lesson with them and there's no other way around it. Or, you know, if, if we're, we're on the go and like a tampon is the only answer, then like, yeah, there are organic tampons that can be used. And um, that is a resource that I'll reach for from time to time. But primarily what I love to do is to slow down and to actually allow myself to bleed and to see what's happening. Um, so, uh, you know, wearing a, a pad, like a cloth pad, um, or even free bleeding on a towel is really my preferred way to, um, to, to bleed. And um, this allows me to see the blood, to assess the quality of the blood so that I know, you know, how how am I doing? You know, like, um, what's the blood telling me? Is it dark? Is it clotty? Is it watery? Is it, you know, um, mucousy? Um, is it, is it bright red and, and flowing freely? Um, and all these qualities, uh, you know, are associated with, with how our womb health has been um, and how we've tended to ourselves within the last cycle. So essentially your menstrual cycle is a report card um, on how you have tended to your health and specifically your womb health within the last, you know, 28 days. Um, and so when we're not looking at our blood, we're not taking the time to um, assess it and to be with it, um, then we're missing a really vital piece of information. Um, and I like information. I like data and I like to, to have, you know, the option to, um, to, to kind of work with my health rather than just to kind of, um, you know, plug up this really vital function, um, and kind of try to carry on as though, um, you know, I'm unchanged. Mm. And I am, you know, living in this like stationary way, um, very similar to how like a male phys physiology would be, right? Because as women, we're cycling um, constantly and, um, you know, we, we're just like so dynamic in that way that we, we really do need to um, slow down and create, um, create like this space for ourselves uh, during the menstrual time. And I think, you know, more than anything, um, shifting from 
you know, a menstrual cup and tampon culture and kind of reclaiming, you know, the opportunity to have like a slow period essentially um, is like really, you know, I think our work in, in this time. Um, so anyways, that's, that's fine with that. <laughs> what do you guys think? I feel like that was just a beautiful TED talk about periods. It really was. I'm so empowered right now. <laughs> I want every day back that I didn't feel the inside of my vagina. I've been sitting here thinking about how men <laughs> touch their penis every single day, multiple right? times a day. And I would say I bet 0% of my friends know what the inside of their vagina feels like on the daily, on the daily, or maybe ever. Like okay. there's some that maybe have never right. put a finger inside and just felt around. Yeah. Well, even the amount of women when we're at their birth and we're like, reach down, touch your baby's head. And, they and they're like, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Wow. There's, I could feel myself like having resistance to what you were saying as you're saying it. Cause I'm, I'm wanting the, the effortlessness, the, the, the speed. And you're so right. Like, I usually try to schedule a really slow day one, but it's like after I've had day one, then mm-hmm. it's like, all right, let's move this along. <laughs> I'm thinking about you at the gym doing handstands with your yeah. David cup in. Yeah. Um, I also feel like I'm in this space where I'm like, oh, but I'm not using a diva cup. I'm using a Nixit. So it's like a more of a diaphragm shape. And so there's no suction. But it's still the mentality mm-hmm. of I even get to change it less than every eight hours because it's double the size of a a diva cup. Um, and I can look at, I do like that. Like I can see the blood in it. Yeah. Sometimes it's separated. I've uh, been so long. I've um I so I've used the Nixit cup too. And um yes, I, I do think it's like a step better than the um than the menstrual cup because it doesn't have that suction component. But again, a lot of women, because of the way that our anatomy shifts after birth, um, a lot of women actually can't wear or can't tolerate wearing the Nixit um, or like those those discs. Um, and the reason being is because the urethral body, which is usually kind of snugged up, um, you know, tucked up under like the pubic bone internally, um, after birth for a lot of women, that area descends down. And so it is no longer in the space where, you know, it was before. And essentially what's happening is when you wear the disc, the cut, the edge of the disc, it's like a hard plastic for people who aren't familiar with it. Um, it's revving up on that tender area of the urethral body, um, from the inside and it can be really uncomfortable and also just not as snug and secure as, um, what it would be in a woman's body who maybe doesn't have these shifts. So that's something to think about. Um, but again, yeah, the blood does oxidize. It's not, um, going to present the way that it would as it's like free, free flowing out of you. Cause you're holding it in your body for a period of time. It's separating, it's doing, it's like, you know, collagenation or whatever the, the, um, coagulation process. And it's just, it's going to be different. So you're not going to get the real, the real deal. It's going to be altered. Um, what about nighttime? I feel like this is a very specific question, but I feel like I sleep with, even with a pillow between my knees, 
I feel like sometimes with your lips together that the blood wants to come out like kind of the back or the front. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've never tried the period underwear yet. And I, I haven't got back into pads. Maybe I should try that. When you're talking about a towel, like are you wearing a literal towel in your underwear at night? Um, yeah. So like if I'm free bleeding, I, I won't even wear underwear. I'll just have like, I'll just maybe put a towel over the bed and then I'll kind of like put a towel in between my legs and it's so comfortable. Um, and it's like, you know, I have, I like, I have a super expensive mattress that I love. It's like the avocado organic, like deluxe mattress. And like, I am not going to stain that baby. Like I'm going to protect it. Free bleeding, using a towel. Like I have had no leaks. Um, it has been totally seamless. Um, I actually did it throughout my postpartum time as well. So, um, you know, many, many days of bleeding, um, some, sometimes quite heavy, um, and it was perfect and so comfortable. And, and like, I think sometimes a lot of women feel like, um, wearing a pad is like smelly or they just don't like the sensation of like the blood, um, being on their skin and that, that, um, that sensation. So I think free bleeding on a towel is like the perfect antidote to that and totally recommend anyone trying it. Um, can we add uh, to sleeping the is a great time to start, but if you, if that's, Let's add to yeah. of your recommendations, like what towel? Cause I'm envisioning like, <laughs> I don't want to envision like, oh. like, I don't know, a tea towel or a hand towel. Is I, it a is bath it, towel? Yeah. Is like what, a, what are we talking about? A chamois? <laughs> so I put like, I put like a, I put like a bath towel, um, over like the mattress where like I'm going to sleep because I kind of move around a little bit. And then between my legs, um, up against my vulva, I would just use like a hand towel that's like kind of folded into like thirds, right? Okay. Yeah. So not nearly as complicated as I'm making it. I can't wait to tell Ryan about this plan. No. This is great. <laughs> I feel so immature yeah. right now that I'm 40 years old and that I'm just talking about this now. Yeah. Okay. So good story about feeling immature. So we all know that it was day one of my period while I was at Great Wolf Lodge this past weekend. And of course, I, I do know that I mm-hmm. like to sleep with my Nick's underwear and I had a diva cup in because I was like, I need two layers of support because I am sleeping on a pullout couch in a cottage with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and nieces and nephews. Leak through the diva cup, leak through the Nick's underwear, wake up with blood all over my pajamas anyways. Why don't I just sleep with a towel and embrace it? It would be much easier. Mm-hmm. But I will say my brother-in-law, bless him, knows that my sister-in-law and I are on opposite cycles. Oh. So every time that we travel with them, either she's bleeding or I'm bleeding. So we got there and he was like, you have your period, don't you? <laughs> I was like, yes, I do. And you're going to have to hear about it for 24 hours. That's hysterical. <laughs> that's amazing. Poor guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's hysterical. Yeah. I, I mean, in that situation, like for sure, you know, like a tampon, whatever you need to do. I just wanted to just come back to the menstrual cup piece is that um, I've read like most of the studies that they have written about menstrual cups and um, in, in none of them there, they, did they ever include um, prolapse as um, a perimeter that they were looking to um, as far as women who had prolapse before use um, or any, um, 
measurement of, of tissue descent or organ descent after use. Um, and so a lot of people have just kind of blanketly understood that these cups are safe. Um, but the fact is that they've just never tested what we're looking at. Um, and so I think that's really important. Um, and another piece is that the, um, the UK Physiotherapy Association has actually said outright, like we don't recommend, or sorry, they, like the Pelvic Physical Therapy Association in the UK has also said that we don't recommend these caps for the risk of prolapse um, and tissue injury. So um, that's two pieces that I just wanted to add. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at when I'll get my period now. I'm kind of excited. <laughs> and my Sunday, so oh. I can I can try. Wonderful, <laughs> I'm so pumped. Yeah. I wanted to know um, what you think about healing prolapses. Like I, I've always been told that you um, can help it not get worse, but like in terms of reversing a grade two to a grade one, or I'm not sure what you call the stages. But what's your thoughts on that? Can you make your prolapse better? Yeah, I think. I think you can. And I think one of the most important pieces is just that what they have found is 40% of prolapse will improve um, independently without any treatment at all. So um, I think that's really important to recognize. And then also like, when are you assessing um, the prolapse? If it's still in the early postpartum time, then it's you know, there's a high likelihood that there'll be um, some improvement and some shifts um, in that independent of having any treatment at all. So um, I think that's really positive. And then as far as like prolapse and somebody who's maybe not so fresh postpartum, I think that there's a lot of improvement that can be made. Um, I think it's absolutely realistic to, um, you know, support your body and, um, you know, your, your, your pelvic tissue health, um, to see, a, a, a regression of grades. So going from a grade two to grade one, um, and, you know, in people who have really mild prolapse, like it, these things can shift, um, with just, you know, make some small changes to your breath, um, patterns, your postural, um, habits and, and sort of your, your lifting and biomechanics. Um, and so I think it's absolutely worth pursuing. If you're struggling or suspecting that you may have prolapse, it's, it's really, um, in my opinion, it's worth, um, seeing, you know, a, a pelvic physiotherapist or pelvic physical therapist who, um, can help you. Um, I think when you, uh, when prolapse is quite progressed, it, it does become more difficult to support and um, to heal completely. Um, and that's just a matter of like, you know, once a prolapse has reached a greater beyond, like the tissues have descended outside of the vagina. And in that time, um, the exposed tissues, the tissues that have extended beyond the vagina are getting, you know, exposure to air and friction. Um, and they become like keratinized, which is like, what happens to like, um, like tissue that is exposed to friction. So if you think of like a circumcised penis, a penis, yeah. If you think of like an uncircumcised penis, it looks very like raw. Um, when you retract the foreskin, however, in a circumcised male, it looks like, you know, it's keratinized tissue. It's different than what, um, it is otherwise. And so these changes also happen to prolapse tissue that has progressed beyond a grade three. And so 
um, it, it becomes more challenging to heal. Um, and as well, the tissue is susceptible to like the properties of gravity and creep, which is essentially like the, um, the way that tissues respond to like the heaviness of gravity, they start to stretch more. Um, and so it, it becomes more difficult and challenging to heal after like a more progressed prolapse. So it's definitely something like if you have a mild grade, uh, one or two to, to address kind of promptly. Um, yeah. So I, um, have I bought another program since I've seen you. I did this program. <laughs> I bought a program. Uh, I was like, after I saw you in Mexico and you checked out my stomach. And so I made an appointment for next Friday to get um, checked out, uh, get an ultrasound of what might be a hernia. Um, I also was, I mean, because your phone listens to you, right? So then you get advertised to all these programs. Mm-hmm. So this woman in um, Australia is selling this program. She's had six kids how to close your abs and, you know, strengthen your pelvic floor. And I had no idea what it was, but it was good clickbait and it was $40. (laughs) Sure. I'll buy this. Anyway, in the program, you have to buy a jade egg. And I feel like Mm -hmm. I've seen that goop lab got sued for talking all about the jade egg and lack of evidence um, around that. (laughs) And so everybody's putting crystals in their vulvas. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So before I go and buy myself a jade egg to do this program, um, I just wondering what your thoughts are on jade eggs. <laughs> right. So I live in Southern California and like there are lots of like witchy near neo-spiritual women here who just like love this practice. And um, I think it's beautiful, you know, too. Like those eggs are really pretty. Um, however, um, when we're talking about um, prolapse since that's been on our minds here. Um, what, what's happening when you, for a lot of women, when they insert a jade egg, um, is the egg is actually sitting on the prolapse tissue and it's the weight of the egg is actually like bearing onto the prolapse tissue. Yeah. So it's, it's actually like probably (laughs) not helping um, so like where you're like, oh, I can keep this egg in for like super long and I'm barely doing any effort at all. Because it's sitting um, in a hammock. It's sitting in, in a hammock of your descended tissue. And which your is rectum. A, your rectum's there too. I remember this from earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Or or it, it can really be from from the anterior wall where the, the the urethra and bladder has descended or from the posterior wall, which is where like the, the rectum may be bulging through. And yeah, it's like this nice, sweet little hammock of, of prolax tissue and it's a bummer. So for a lot of yeah, women, it was going to close my prolapse and, or sorry, lift my prolapse yeah. and it was going to close my diastasis too. So for a lot of women, these, these eggs are not optimal, but, um, what I love about like just any, any of these practices is like, Hey, you're actually like doing something to like connect with your, with your body and specifically your pelvis. Um, and so if you have been doing an egg practice, like kudos for you to just like for getting down with yourself that way. Like that's amazing. That's a great first step. Um, but just approach it with a little bit of awareness, you know, to, to see if, it's actually like your muscles holding the egg in or if it's they're resting on the tissues. Cause that would be kind of a bummer. Um, and then the other thing is, is that um, a lot of these egg practices and I can't speak to the one that you're referencing, 
but they recommend holding the eggs in for quite a sustained period of time. And that is kind of counterproductive to how the pelvic muscles are supposed to work. The pelvic muscles are not supposed to be held in static contraction. Like we wouldn't walk around, like if we wanted to strengthen our bicep, we wouldn't walk around with like a dumbbell in our hand for like eight hours a day. And like that wouldn't be functional and it wouldn't really do what we're intending to do because really like very little of the actual muscle fibers are getting strengthened here. We're just like creating this little power arc here with not a lot of functional reciprocity. So essentially you, you want your pelvic muscles to um, be strengthened and mobile. So if you're strengthening your pelvic muscles, you want them to lengthen, come to a resting position and be able to lift and contract. So those three positions are really vitally important for the function of the pelvic floor. If you're just walking around in contraction and you're holding that contraction for so long, then you're not doing, you know, you're not using those muscles that they're intended to, to be used. Jamie, you just have a beautiful way of explaining things without making us feel like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Yeah, thanks. Hey, I have a question. Sure. Um, so you have three kids and two of them are girls, but I'm also assuming that you're going to teach your son about periods in the same way you're going to teach your girls. So yeah. what are your conversations around bleeding with your girls so far? Because they're older than your son. Yeah. yeah. So my kids have been like really lucky because I have, I mean, I have like my own practice. So I have a lot of the stuff that I use in my practice around the house from time to time. So they've, they've been able to play with like a pelvic model. We've been able to talk about like, this is the bladder. This is the uterus. This is the rectum. These are where they all go and they all sit in the space. Um, and so they have an awareness of those organs and what they do just as like um, a physiological um, <clears throat> framework. Right. Um, but I also am like really open and candid and sharing my bleeding with my girls. So um, yeah, if I'm, if I'm bleeding, um, they are, you know, like most kids in, in the, the home setting, like they're in the bathroom, they're seeing the blood, you know, they're recognizing like, Oh, like, you know, I see what you're doing. Like you're tending to yourself. I'm seeing like the pads and, you know, the towel or, you know, whatever you're using. Um, and they, they have an awareness of it. The other thing that, um, we started doing, like three years ago after my son was born, um, when my menstrual cycle returned after birth, um, we made like a big deal of it. And we had a period party. My husband baked brownies with my girls. Um, we like, they bought me flowers. Like we really honored that time and we made it special. Um, and we do kind of like a smaller scale of that every month. So, you know, a lot of times it's like a movie night together with my girls and they know that I'm bleeding and, you know, I'm not up on my feet. Um, dad is doing most of the cooking for that week. Um, and yeah, we just really have like made an effort to build that into our family culture so that, you know, for when my girls reach the age of bleeding, they're going to recognize like this is a time that's different than any other time in the month. Um, and we slow down, we honor ourselves, we take baths, we, we do things that bring, bring us comfort. We keep ourselves warm uh, and we rest more. Um, so do you so exercise during your cycle? 
Um, I, yeah, I think it really depends. Um, I, I really try to not lift weights. Um, that's like my primary form of intensive exercise is weightlifting. And I, I really try to take the first two days of my cycle off. And so that's really easy when you're, you know, you can just kind of schedule, like when you, if you're tracking your cycle and you're also tracking like your, your, your monthly, you know, training splits, like you can schedule your deload weeks for the first, you know, two days to fall, you know, in alignment with the first two or three days of your cycle. And that can be really, really supportive. Um, so I try to do that. Um, and then, yeah, I just, my other form of exercise is long walks. Um, it's really hilly where I live. So that's like my cardio. And, um, I usually will just do something really mild and low key. Um, but I do try to move a little bit. I think that's, you know, I feel best just being in nature, um, having like the fresh air and the sun on my face. Um, and so, you know, I do, you know, I won't necessarily do like a five mile hike, but, um, like a 20 minute walk feels really good and really nourishing for me. Well, we're excited for you to visit next summer and I am down for any experiments you want to try. I'm down for the suction cup and the speculum. If you need a, if you need a club, if you need a vagina, I'm all yours. Yeah, we can totally do that. I actually ordered a bunch of speculums with lights on them, the clear ones. Um, cause I'm like really serious. About I can't to wait this. for you to take that through security. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. Yeah, you're like, sorry, yeah. what are you up to? My favorite part of our prenatal class is always when people are like, oh, do you have any recommendations for pelvic floor therapists? And Laura's like, ask Sarah. She's been to all of them. Yeah. <laughs> She's a pelvic floor physio floozy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You're an, like an aficionado. I love yes. it. Yeah. 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 We, we all have like our own flavor and just like... <laughs> our own like method of doing things. So yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's great to just like, if you don't find the provider that you love on like the first go round, find, you know, keep looking because yeah, there'll be somebody who you resonate with. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for being here. We ask the billboard uh, question. Yeah. We usually always ask everyone uh, if you could have a billboard, what would it say? Just put you on the spot there. Mm, my goodness. Um, yeah, I guess for me, I I'm really like into just um, like just finding joy right now. Um, that's that's really um, in alignment with my phase of life. I, I turned forty in September, and I'm just like, wow, I'm really coming into awareness of like how time is just going so fast. Um, and my oldest is almost 10 and I'm just like, you know, I'm out of those really hard, um, days of early motherhood. And, you know, it's, it's really easy to like put your head down and just like keep, um, keep being in like that struggle mindset of like, you know, early postpartum was so hard. The toddler, the toddler years were so hard. Um, but like forcing myself to come up for air and being like, Oh my gosh, like I have everything that I wanted. Um, and like, there's every reason to be joyful about all of this, um, has been like my work and my practice these last few months since turning 40. And I think it's, it's like really paying off. Like I can really feel that, um, mindset shift bleeding into, like 
you know, my relationships, my marriage, um, the way I mother. So yeah, I joy, joy. <laughs> exude that in person as mm-hmm. well, which is why we're both obsessed with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's such a huge compliment. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much for your time today. We can't wait to see you this summer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. Thanks so much for having me on. Great to see you. Bye. Bye. We would just love it if you would take the time to leave us a five-star rating, a review. If you'd subscribe to our show, you can screenshot it while you're listening to us and even share it on the gram. Remember, you are important too. Disclaimer, we are not medical professionals. Everything said here is our own opinion and not to be taken as medical advice. We do not take any responsibility from the outcomes of you taking our advice. Please seek medical advice from your trusted healthcare professionals.